67 copies of Moby Dick. The movie or the book? You made a book out of that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, get the book. Welcome to Something Crunchy. The Valley's number one comedy entertainment podcast. Biscuit is homies with Blake. Blake is the older brother of Blair. And Blair is married to Biscuit. Here are your hosts, Colin Blake with Blair and Tyler Dressel. All right. Welcome to Something Crunchy. I'm Colin Blake. With me as always, Blair and Tyler Dressel. Thank you for joining us by way of 97.3 The Rattler or wherever you get your podcast. We have a crunchy soda ahead of us tonight. All fun and games, and we're going to be adding to that database of useless knowledge, those good-for-nothing fun facts and did-you-knows. We live for this stuff around here, and we have several games to get you both behind the scenes and fall down drunk. Tonight, <laughs> we're playing for Chugs, and we have several categories covering everything from on-screen direction to on-screen dongs. Lots to get into. <laughs> Can't wait. As always, drink when you're wrong, and if you both get one right, I'll take a knock off the old canteen here. Ooh. Let's dive in, shall we? Yes. Shall we? Stand up and shout. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Shout out. First category is general film knowledge with multiple choice answers. NASA's management training program shows this film to new managers where they are given the task of trying to spot as many errors as possible. At least 168 have been found. Are they shown? Apollo 13, Gravity, or Armageddon? Armageddon. Armageddon. I felt pretty strongly about that. Oh. You're going to need to get that bottle, bro. Oh, I you love guys how this to play tonight? Yes. I was already thinking Armageddon. As much as I love to disagree, I felt like it Apollo was Armageddon. 13 was the one that you I was there. thinking that when you said it first, but then you said Armageddon. I was like, oh, that is like got to have that some wasn't, falsies in there. Don't, don't you go double sipping, bro. That wasn't trappy at all. I'm feeling good over here. You guys are feeling strong. Okay. In which of the following scenes did Leonardo DiCaprio get seriously injured in real life? The fight against a butcher in Gangs of New York, hitting the dinner table in Django Unchained, or getting an axe swung on him by Rose on the Titanic? Mm, This one's tougher. I'm going to go with the butcher's leaving. (laughs) I ain't interested in the butcher's leaving. Yeah. I mean, that was wild. I think Gangs in New York, there was like... And you know Daniel Day is a method actor, so... See, oh, yeah. I felt yeah. like... I he's was, really there was throwing some, like, bows. Yeah, some method energy going on there, so I'm going to go with that one. I think Rose has got something shady going on with her. I'm going to go with Titanic. Ooh, Titanic, and you're staying with The Butcher? Yes. You're both wrong. Oh, no. Really? It was hitting the dinner table in Django Unchained. While playing Calvin Candy, Leonardo DiCaprio smashes his hand on the dinner table, accidentally crushing a small stemmed glass with his palm and began to bleed pretty badly. He ignored it, stayed in character, and continued with the scene. Quentin Tarantino was so impressed that he used this take in the final print, and when he called cut, the room erupted in a standing ovation. Wow. Whoa. That was such like an intense movie to make anyway, and I feel like Leo had to go through a lot. I know he had a hard time like with some of the verbiage that he had to say, and he Jamie Foxx had to kind of like help him along through that, which I thought was interesting. And the fact that he like hit his hand, you know that at that point he was like, I got to go through with this and got to keep going with the scene. That's what I want to watch it again now and see that. While on Titanic, who actually drew the famous charcoal picture of naked Kate Winslet? Billy Zane, James Cameron, or Kathy Bates? James Cameron. Kathy Bates. 
It was James Cameron. Oh. It felt very James Cameron thing to do. Also, after finding out that she had to be naked in front of Leonardo DiCaprio when oh. they first met, Kate Winslet broke the ice by flashing him. Oh. <laughs> you know she was like ready to go for that. She would have like she would have let it all go. She was like, I have to pretend to be like, oh, I just couldn't possibly <laughs> I couldn't possibly. show off my knickers. Just but like, no. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna whip out some titty for Was you. he of age yet? Pretty sure. Close enough. I mean leading he, man age. Yeah, because he was in Romeo and Juliet, and that was a year or two before that. He was like 15 in that. Really? Yeah. I feel like no, he was 15 in Gilbert Grape. Was he? Yeah. Will Smith kind of fucked things up pretty good while filming I Am Legend. Which of these isn't true? While doing a press conference in Japan, he accidentally revealed the ending to a bunch of entertainment reporters. He refused to come back to do his voiceover parts in post-production, so they had to hire an impressionist to reread his lines. <laughs> or he wanted to keep the dog after filming finished and kept asking if he could buy it from the owners who repeatedly said no. Oh, he wants the dog. He's not a dog kind of guy. No, he got attached. He wants the dog. <sighs> I think you're wrong. They went through an experience together. He wants the dog. It was a nice German shepherd. So he wants the dog, and he definitely revealed some info. I'm going A and B. He did it on accident. I'm going to do BC. You know he's keeping the dog. You're both wrong because you both had B in there, which had him refusing to do his voiceover parts. He didn't refuse? No, he didn't refuse. I can't speak to whether or not he did them, but that was the made up answer. (laughs) What was true is that he did reveal the ending in Japan Mm, to a bunch of entertainment reporters, and he did keep asking if he could buy the dog. I knew he wanted that dog. At a Q&A session after screening Into the Woods, James Corden recalled an incident during rehearsals in which Meryl Streep jumped on a table and her foot got caught in her costume. She started falling backwards, head first towards a concrete floor. Both Corden and director Rob Marshall froze in fear that they were about to witness the death of Meryl Streep. However, this actor stepped in and caught Streep just before she hit the floor. Christine Baranski, Anna Kendrick, or Emily Blunt? Emily Blunt. Mm. Nope. Santa Kendrick. She's got the spirit. She's got the sparkle. And she's quick. She's small. She could like quickly get there. But Emily Blunt, you know, she would jump in real fast. Yeah. It's Kendrick. Christine Baranski is like, oh no. (laughs) Meryl, no. Oh, Meryl, no. (laughs) Like, she doesn't want anything bad to happen, but I don't think she's like diving for Meryl. Meryl Street, be careful. Yeah. Emily, go get her. <laughs> Final answers? I said what I said. Emily Blunt. <laughs> I know Andy, my truth. Andy Kendrick. <laughs> I know my truth. <laughs> Your truth was correct. It was Emily Blunt. Son yes! of a bitch. Who also happened to be pregnant at the time. And still went for it. Emily Blunt. Sacrificial Blunt. Sacrificial Blunt. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been shocked if you told me Bransky was taking a dive for Meryl. It's like... <laughs> That would have been the... She's taking a dive, all right. Which actor was actually missing their teeth in their famous toothless scene? Joe Pesci in Home Alone, Ed Helms in The Hangover, or Himesh Patel in Yesterday? Okay. I'm kind of thinking Pesci on this. You're liking Pesci. I'm feeling a little Pesci or Patel. I'm not sure. I'm going to go... Pesci on this one. Ed Helms. Biscuits is right. Oh, was Ed? 
It was Ed. In The Hangover, Ed Helms is actually missing a tooth. He never had an adult incisor grow, and his fake incisor was taken out for the parts of filming Stu's tooth being missing. Blair drink. I knew that. He knew it. I seen it. Bonus scenes. Bonus scened? What else you got? Given the unusual style of filming long takes, Michael Keaton, Ed Norton, Emma Stone, and Zach Galifianakis all kept a tally of their mistakes while filming Birdman together. Who had the most mistakes and who had the least? I bet Zach Galifianakis was like dead on. Michael I bet he was your wild card that like randomly nailed every line. Ed Norton wanted to do it a hundred times because he's a perfectionist and wanted to nail it. And who got the most mistakes? I think it's Ed Norton. I bet he had a lot of mistakes and wanted to keep doing it again. I don't want to agree with her, but I agree with her. I agree. You're half right. Zach Galifianakis did have the least amount of mistakes. It was Keaton, because you want to think that because he's the most established that he was like perfect. And it was Emma Stone. Oh, let's drink him together. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Community cheers. Cheers. Which actor shut down the production of a movie for four days by refusing to wear a Yankees hat? Ben Affleck, Mark Wahlberg, or Ben Foster? Wow. We know Mark Wahlberg is like a hardcore Boston, so I feel like he'd have like really hard time. All three of these guys are, are known Boston. for being yeah. hardcore, but which one's gonna be like, mm -mm, not gonna do it? It's taking a stand. It's Ben Affleck. I was gonna say it's a very Ben thing. That's to a do. very Ben thing to do. Keep drinking, Refuse brother. To cave, be be drinking. We got it right. He be drinking. Woof. <laughs> Hi. Production of the film Gone Girl had to be shut down for four days due to Ben Affleck's refusal to follow David Fincher's vision and wear a New York Yankees cap for a scene where Affleck's character Nick is at an airport. The Bostonian actor said to Fincher, David, I love you. I would do anything for you, but I will not wear a Yankees hat. Eventually, the two settled for Ben's character to wear a Mets cap. Fincher jokingly describes Affleck's actions of this as entirely unprofessional in the DVD's audio commentary. Oh, he was like upset about it. Like, could you just wear the damn hat? Okay. Just wear the fucking just hat. Just wear the fucking hat. God damn. I've heard that he like will fight strangers if you come by and you put a Yankee hat on him or just throw it at him. He will fuck you up over that. Really? Yeah. No, I could see him being like a little sensey about it. Very. Yeah. In order to prep for the ultra-violent, bat-wielding bear Jew in Inglorious Bastards, <laughs> Eli Roth did two of the following three things to get him in a violent mood before filming. He wore wool underwear, picked fights with other actors on set, listened to Hannah Montana music on his iPod. I mean, does that get anyone, like, particularly feisty? <laughs> <laughs> Only again. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the first two. It's wool underwear and picking fights. Yeah, picking fights on set. Getting things all riled up. Mm-hmm. And a real scratchy pair of butt wranglers. Yeah, that's going to piss you off more than yeah. some scratchy underwear. You're both wrong. Uh, Made really? up pick fights with other actors on set. That was like the one I was sure wow. about. God, Trap City. <laughs> Extra trappy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the following clip from The Social Network. This takes place during one of the depositions. Mr. Saverin, what happened after the initial launch? It exploded. Everybody on campus was using it. Facebook me, 
was a common expression after two weeks. And uh, Mark? And Mark was the biggest thing on a campus. It included 19 Nobel laureates, 15 Pulitzer Prize winners, two future Olympians, and a movie star. Oh, who's the movie star? Does it matter? No. This is all true. And who was the movie star being referenced? Jodie Foster, Natalie Portman, or Gina Davis? Natalie Portman? Uh, Gina Davis. One of you is correct. It's me. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say it's me. Natalie Portman, who was enrolled at Harvard from 1999 to 2003, also helped Aaron Sorkin by providing him insider information about what went on at Harvard at the time Facebook first appeared there. I think Gina Davis was Facebooking. like Probably not, Blair. No, probably not. <laughs> Christian Bale drew inspiration from which actor to prepare for his role in American Psycho? Tom Cruise, Michael Douglas, or Richard Gere? Richard Gere isn't like near crazy enough, but he also has like a calmness to him that is a little gear like, and that hair mm. feels a little gear to me. It does feel a little geary. As much as I don't want to say it, I feel like I've convinced myself to go it. gear now. You should say that. It's gear. It's Tom Cruise. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> you should say that. I love where you're going with this. I hate when you You're do totally this. onto something I here, Blair. I hate when you do this to me. Couldn't agree less. It's Tom Cruise. <laughs> Christian Bale explained that he drew inspiration from a Tom Cruise interview on David Letterman's show in which he was struck by the star's very intense friendliness with nothing behind the eyes. Oh. That's right. I kind of see it now. Yeah. Now that I, I think about it, I don't hate my gear answer, but... Whoa, I that is very Tom Cruise of him. Yes. Very Tom Cruiseian. Big smile on his face, bright eyes, bushy tail, and an axe-wielding attitude. Which Star Wars actor demanded that the color of his lightsaber be purple so it, <laughs> so it would be easier to find him in battles on screen? I just love everything about that, by Mark the way. Hamill. Ewan McGregor, Liam Neeson, or Samuel L. Jackson? Oh, Samuel L. Jackson is like, hell no, nah, my shit's purple. I will only be purple. <laughs> Nothing else but purple. That's pretty good Sam, Blair. Pretty good Sam. I'll, I'll pretty never, good Sam. I'll never do Sam again. I agree with Blair. It's Samuel L. Jackson. You wow, get really? Drink it, brother. Oh, like Ewan McGregor is going to put up a fight about his purple saber. Yeah, that's Shaft no. out there. No, he's don't... very particular. That was a good trap. And you know what? He deserves whatever Didn't color Shaft, saber. Shaft wore purple suits, right? Of course. He has attachment to purple. You were very right about Samuel L. Jackson. Love that. Jackson said, well, shit. I want to <laughs> be able to find myself in this big fight scene. And he asked for a purple lightsaber. George Lucas told them lightsabers don't come in purple. But Jackson said, yeah, I want a purple one. I'm like the second baddest Jedi in the universe after Yoda. Yeah, I'm still going to need a purple one. So That's so funny. Bullshit. better be purple. You can just picture it. Like, you know that was a direct quote. Yeah, That's exactly yeah. how direct. he said it. Bullshit. 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 It was a quote. Which Eli Roth movie is based on a true story? Cabin Fever, Knock Knock, or Hostel? Oh, gosh. I don't want any of those to be true. Blair Hostel. (laughs) (laughs) Cabin Fever. It was Blair Hostel. No. Whoa. That's my biggest I don't want to believe that. It's so 
realistic, though. It's like, you know this is happening. Eli Roth came up with the premise for Hostel after discovering a Thai website where people can pay to torture and kill another human. He was talking to a friend about the worst, sickest things they'd ever seen on the internet. He told me about this website in Thailand where for $10,000 you could shoot someone in the head. I thought it would be a great subject to do a documentary on, but then I thought, do I want these people knowing where I live? If it's real, they got my address, and if it's fake, they'd probably run off with my credit card. That Thai dark web is no joke. It's where innocence goes to die. Oh, I can't imagine what goes on there. But no, it felt like it could be a little too real. Mm-hmm. While we're on the subject, I need to induce my own intervention here <laughs> to talk about my roaring Thai food addiction. <laughs> <laughs> it is getting a little serious. You've been tying one on, brother? I've been tying one on. <laughs> hey, it started off just getting tie on the weekends, getting tie with friends. <laughs> now I'm just getting tie all the time. <laughs> I've even been getting a little tie at work. <laughs> so let's break this down over some yellow curry after we finish recording and like really get into it. <laughs> you don't want any of this, Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds kind of expansive. It's the cheapest food there is. <laughs> Eager to jump back into it, but before we do, let's take a break. Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening to Something Crunchy, and we hope you're enjoying the episode. It now pays to crunch down every week because we're hooking you up with big discounts from big brands. Up to 35% off Invicta watches using code CRUNCHY and apparel from 8080, where in addition to 10% off using code CRUNCHY, every dollar you spend goes towards an entry in their dream car giveaway. Don't forget to join the Something Crunchy Facebook group for updates, polls, and the web's crunchiest memes. You can find us on Twitter at crunch underscore cast, and feel free to send any questions and track submissions to somethingcrunchy at gmail.com. Now let's get back to the show. crunching down behind the scenes in the middle of a fun game. Let's continue. Jump right back into yes. it. Brad Pitt and Eric Bana did not use stunt doubles while filming their fight scene in Troy. Being that they are not trained, there were bound to be some accidents, so they made a gentleman's agreement that they would pay each other real money for every hit. $50 for light hits, $100 for hard blows. What was the outcome after filming? They each owed each other thousands of dollars, Eric Bana owed four fifty, and Brad Pitt owed one fifty. Brad Pitt owed seven fifty, and Eric Bana owed zero. I'm gonna say four fifty, one fifty. Like I bet there was like a little touch and go, but you think one person's gonna like just go whipping, and then someone's just gonna take it? Yeah, it's yeah seven fifty and zero. You think so? I do. He's right. <laughs> At the end of the six-day-long shoot for their scene, Pitt owed Banna $750, and Banna owed Pitt absolutely nothing. No hits. It's a real pro versus a movie fighter. On the set of Roar, a film about a family living with lions, this actor was only 14 years old when she was mauled so badly that she required facial reconstruction surgery and almost lost an eye. What? Melanie Griffith, Goldie Hawn, or Meg Ryan? 
I'm in shock that that happened. Mm. Feels a little goldy to me. Feels very melony to me. Really? A splash of Meg. Like, I mean, Meg was my second runner-up, so. Nah, her eyes are too, like, perfectly round. <sighs> I'm going to go Mel. Melanie's got like kind of a half closed eye when she's smiling and you think she's been mauled? Yeah, I feel like that's case No, of, case I bet it mullings. happened to Goldie. She's like so sweet that she was probably like, Oh my god, it's gonna be fine and then just got like completely mauled. He's right. Mm. <laughs> it's Melanie Griffith. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> He's like that eye. I yeah. can always tell. Blair, why aren't you drinking? Yeah, I'm getting there. Get your grams in. Damn, I thought I had Get that one. Get your grams in. I thought I had that one. Throw back a couple grams. Which scene was filmed backwards in Pulp Fiction? Marcellus Wallace getting hit by a car, Mia getting plunged in the chest with a needle, Vincent accidentally shooting Marvin. Mia with the chest. I was wondered, but I can't imagine them like actually shoving Throwing it, it through in. her yeah. chest. So now that you say that, I could see them putting it on her chest and then pulling it up and doing it that way. So I'm going to say Mia. I am also going to agree with Blair. Yep. Whoa! Drinky McDrinkerson. So just then I convinced Tyler and I was right. Are we just going to address And good I, showing your work. Either of those things. Well done. Um, you didn't I, I think I might even drink trap. to that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Victory well lap. Victory lap. The shot of Vincent plunging a syringe into Mia's chest was filmed by having John Travolta pull the needle out then running the film backwards. If you watch carefully, you'll see the mark on Mia's chest disappear when she's revived. I felt it. Felt it. Felt it. Let's get into some casting. Who else was considered for playing the Terminator before Arnold got the part? I just can't imagine it. There was others? Playing it, yeah. Sylvester Stallone, O.J. Simpson, or Steven Seagal? Oh, this felt so Seagal. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. You want to say Sylvester. I know you're feeling sly on this. <laughs> you feeling a little sly? I'm not feeling that sly. No? What do you think? You're feeling very juicy. You, you're yeah, you're going juicy? OJ. I'm you just want to pick OJ for this. I do. I don't think he can ride a motorcycle, though. He's right. No. OJ Simpson was considered for the Terminator, but the producers feared he was too nice to be taken seriously as a cold-blooded killer. <laughs> I have no words for this. <laughs> I couldn't possibly say anything to follow this. <laughs> no, that's not real. Well done. It's real. And why aren't you drinking? Because I'm in complete shock still. <laughs> I just need a moment to like soak in. Pick your jaw off the floor. I know. Let me just lift Spill that, that jaw claw up. right in your lap. That wow. Mind blown. Some fun facts are more fun than others. <laughs> This is some good stuff. Which of the following actors were not considered for the role of Batman in 1989, which eventually went to Michael Keaton? Kevin Costner, Pierce Brosnan, Bruce Willis, Bill Murray, or <laughs> Mel Gibson? I would have loved to see Bill Murray in this. Me too. Like, you just tickled my... <laughs> my, my Murray feathers right there. I don't there. think Bill Murray was considered for the role as much as I, I like he would have been my first choice now that I hear it. Yeah. I just would have loved, we at least need that character to happen. Um, I want to say Bill Murray, but like Mel Gibson? It's no, Mel. he's so not Bruce Wayne. It's Mel. 
Mel Gibson. Yeah. You're both saying Gibson. Yeah. You're I'm, both wrong. Although I'm kind he of... was considered, and so was Kevin Costner, Pierce Brosnan, and Bill Murray. Wow. Bruce Willis was the only of the bunch that was not considered for Batman. Oh. Shocked. Uh, he was probably still on moonlighting at the time. Shocked. Could have been. Pierce Brosnan would have been like a great Batman. He's so Bruce Wayne. He was too English in James Bond. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Blair. Obviously. Let's keep it Bruce Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Who was originally offered the lead role in Die Hard before it went to Bruce Willis? Christopher Walken, Eddie Murphy, or Frank Sinatra? Okay, couldn't be more diverse there. So I'm just going to need to think about each of those individually. Whoa, to think of Eddie Murphy in that? Yeah, I'm thinking it's Eddie Murphy because he, at that time, was super booked up and probably just couldn't do it because of his schedule. They wanted him. They wanted him. He was hot. Raw just came out. I'm going to say Murph. Yeah, I might go with Murph, too. You're both wrong. Nah, what? Why did you even think of that? I can't, of all the traps to fall into tonight, like, you fell into the Murphy you, trap. You know it's going to happen. <laughs> it was Frank Sinatra. What? In 1968, Frank Sinatra starred in a movie called The Detective, which was based on a book. Over a decade later, a sequel to that book was published. The new book was the inspiration for the 1988 movie Die Hard, which technically made it a sequel to Sinatra's movie. Because Sinatra had starred in that first movie, he was contractually obligated to get first dibs on the sequel. He was 73 years old at the time, so he graciously turned the role down. Man. My goodness. I don't know. Fun fact. I would have loved to see the Murph. So far. <laughs> I'd like to see the Murph. <laughs> Still feeling the Murph. <laughs> Who got fired from their role on Finding Nemo for refusing to do the voice that her television show character is known for? Fran Drescher, famous for The Nanny, Maggie Wheeler, who played Janice on Friends, or Megan Mullally, who played Karen in Will and Grace? Fran Drescher. I bet she's like, I don't want to be associated with that voice anymore. I've moved on. I'm going to be known for something else. I can't keep going back to that well. So I'm going to say Fran. Agreed. You're both wrong. Oh, no. come on. I thought I had She's the it. The only one that hits me as a diva, too. And it was just like, no, I can't do that voice again. It was Megan Mullally. Well, couldn't no. do the Karen? Oh. Megan Mullally was fired from her role in Finding Nemo for refusing to do her high-pitched Karen Walker voice from Will and Grace. The role then went on to Ellen. Oh, man, I love Megan Mullally, too, but I get it. Charlie Hunnam lost 20 pounds for the last season of Sons of Anarchy. During auditions to play King Arthur, director Guy Ritchie was really bothered by his look, but he liked his performance and asked him four times during the process about his poor physique. Hunnam said that when he brought it up for the fourth time, he told Ritchie, look, dude, you keep bringing this up, the physicality. It's obviously your primary concern. So if you want to do away with all this auditioning bullocks, I'll fight those other two dudes. I know who they are. You could bring them both in here. I'll fight them both. The one that walks out of here gets the job. Charlie Hunnam won the role. (laughs) I such a badass. I did some digging and looked for who else was up for this role and did find a pair of actors, which two were also up for the role of King Arthur. Henry Cavill and Jai Courtney. Mm-hmm. Jawline and Jailine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kit Harrington and Taryn Egerton. Ooh, that could be it. Yep. Or Miles Teller and Colin Farrell. Well, can you imagine finding that duo? 
I might have to go with the first pair that feels like who would have been picked as potentials. For Superman them. and Suicide Squad. I don't know, Henry. Cavill, I don't know if he you could hot. pick those two guys. Henry Cavill. I think he was up for. He was like going, going, going strong for a second. One Henry in a lot Cavill of is like six four two thirty. Yeah, but Charlie He's... Hunnan's got passion, and you can't beat passion. So I'm gonna say Henry. Oi, oi, night. How do you feel about that? What do you think? Colin Farrell and Colin Farrell and Miles Teller. Miles <laughs> Blair's right. Wow! It was Henry Cavill and Jai Courtney Blair. Knew, knew it. Whoa. I would have loved to see that Colin Farrell. You'd like Miles that. Teller fight. You'd like be a good Farrell. fight. You think <laughs> I don't want to get front row to that <laughs> sweaty fight? Get a Mex- little pre-sweat on you. Mexican standoff between Miles, Colin, and in Charlie Hunnan, like <laughs> and Jax. Love those. <laughs> Absolutely here for it. Who was originally slated to play Forrest Gump? John Travolta, Jeff Goldblum, or Kevin Spacey? Stop. I can't see any of those people ever. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Goldblum could have killed it. That is a big pile of chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Kevin Spacey. <laughs> he was getting yeah, everything back then. It's the space. No. K-Pax. No way. You think Spacey is going to go full gump? Yeah. Absolutely not. Well, he didn't because he didn't want to go full gump. Goldblum would attempt to go gump and they're like, it's just not it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we, Sorry, love, bud. <laughs> we love the effort. It's just so not it. So no. we're going to move on here. No. Spacey, like they gave it to him and he's like, oh, it's a, it's a blockbuster. I'll look at it. And he's like, you want me to do what? <laughs> yeah. Pass. <laughs> I want someone with a good Goldblum impression to do some Forrest Gump lines. <laughs> <laughs> someone please give us the Jeff Goldblum That just felt Gump like week. running. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody laughed their asses off during got to show like we can't yeah. have this, you guys. You're too special. Yeah. Oh, Jenny, no, to play special. No, no. You'd be way too cerebral <laughs> to be gump. It just like would never work out. Uh all right. So we're not thinking. Oh, it's Tra- oh Travolta? Are you kidding? Yeah. It would... <laughs> we haven't even like We haven't even delved into in that, that scenario <laughs> oh, yet. Oh my god. Travolta gump? <laughs> no way. No way. They're not going to do that to Travolta. There's in no dancing in Forrest Gump, so he's like, pass. Yeah. If I can't like get some happy feet going on around right. here, like I'm out. You know, I can't eat the chocolates. The baby's sick. Baba. Hey, oh, Baba. You died on a Tuesday. Oh my God. Uh, hey. I'm dying to know the answer to this song. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> While John Travolta reportedly has said that passing on Gump was a big no. mistake. Come on. He did all right that year with Pulp Fiction and even competed against Tom Hanks for the Best Actor Oscar. Oh, Pulp Fiction was Hanks way won. more his speed. I can't believe that, that he had the opportunity to do Gump and Pulp Fiction is what revived his career. Right? He, Holy he made weird. the right choice. Weird. Let me just say, he made the right choice. He did. That happened the He's way it should have. He's not gump. I'm. I'm just can't get the smile on my <laughs> hey, face. Yo, laughing. Yeah, <laughs> dancing his way through the run. I'm just like, yeah, like no, absolutely not. My flex of light, ping pong paddle. <laughs> hey, oh, <laughs> out with flex of light. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. 
Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone ended up playing the lead roles in the hard-to-watch musical La La Land, but who were originally set to sing and dance in this one? Olivia Wilde and Justin Timberlake, Emma Watson and Miles Teller, or Emma Roberts and Nick Jonas? Uh, Olivia Wilde and Justin Timberlake. Roberts and Jonas. I bet. It was going to be horrible. So they, yeah, mm. no, I don't think either of those combos mesh. The it way was they the other one. Too. It was the one we didn't pick. You fell in both traps. Yeah, <laughs> it was Emma Watson and Miles Teller. A be drinking. You know that's nice. That's like a nice little it's La La Land. Nice that's little, sweet. Cute little. Emma chose to do Beauty and the Beast instead of La La Land, and Miles did War Dogs with Jonah Hill. Great choice for both of them. Mm-hmm. Who was in mind for Phil Dunphy on Modern Family and was offered the role before Ty Burrell? Wow. Dietrich Bader, Brian Cranston, or Matt LeBlanc? Oh, my gosh. I honestly, Dietrich, I would absolutely love. I love Ty Burrell. I'm so glad that he was picked as Phil Dunphy. He is a great choice. Dietrich Dunphy? Dietrich Dunphy. I'm here for all things (laughs) He gets cast for everything. It's Dietrich. He'd be amazing. What was the next one after Dietrich? Brian Cranston. Oh, see, he's TV dad. Everybody loves the Cranston. But it'd be hard to have that same relationship with... With Claire. No, it's with just... Ed. Yeah. Ed O'Neill. Like, it's so... Di- like, Ooh, the type right. is so different. So I feel like it'd yeah. be too combative. Dietrich could pull that off. Yeah. D- I, I don't believe it's gotta be Dietrich. Yeah, it's Dietrich. It's gotta be Dietrich. Was the last and one? he gets everything. He's like the best actor on TV. I love him. Matt LeBlanc was the last one. No, not a it, chance. No, I bet he was up for it. He was up for it. Look at him. It's it's like he would be in line. He has. He looks that like kind Ed O'Neill too. Like he has like the younger Ed O'Neill vibe. He could totally pull off a little bit of that Ty Burrell, but no. I'm gonna go Dietrich. You're both wrong. It's Matt. It's Matt LeBlanc. I know. I I almost changed my mind at the last second. (laughs) I just knew. I was like, I'm going to even go with the wrong choice just so I can say Dietrich. Another beer already. Fine. Clearly Matt, but. Nah. Matt turned it down, not because he didn't think the show would be a hit, but because he didn't think he could tackle the character. I remember reading it thinking, this is a really good script, but I'm not the guy for this. I'd be doing the project an injustice to take this. I know what I can do and know what I can't do. Plus, I'm having too much fun laying on the couch. <laughs> oh. I mean, again, the right choice. I think Ty Burrell absolutely nailed it. Dietrich would have also nailed it, just saying. What was the reason Michelle Pfeiffer backed out of playing Vicky Vale in Batman? She wanted a bigger role. Michael Keaton was her ex-boyfriend. Or her fear of bats. No, she wanted a bigger role. She, that's why she got Catwoman and totally nailed it. So it was like the same role, though. If she had a thing with bats. She wouldn't be Catwoman. And that's not gonna keep you from taking a movie. No, and she's not. She's like way more professional. To like, she get over her bat fear. Bat fear. Bat. <laughs> I'm gonna say bat fear. You're going. Bat you fear? are not gonna irrational, go bat fear. Irrational. She seems like a very irrational person. You think her irrational bat fear kept her from doing that? No, she's because like, I deserve Catwoman. We all know I should get a bigger job than that. That's not what she's irrational about. It's about weird shit like bats. You're both wrong. Damn. Michael Keaton was her ex-boyfriend and would have been her on-screen love interest. Plus, he was trying to get back together with his ex-wife at the time. She backed out to avoid conflict. She did go on to play Catwoman in the sequel, where she would famously put a real-life bird in her mouth for a memorable scene with Danny DeVito, something that would have been CGI'd in ever since. 
CGI. Wish they still did it like the old days. Right. <laughs> God, I'm so good. That worse in her mouth. Oh. <laughs> What's a little bird? Why did Russell Crowe turn down the part of Wolverine in the X-Men franchise? He didn't want to be too wolfy. He didn't want to transform into the physique needed for the part. He hated the facial hair he'd have to grow. I think he's had facial hair before. I think that he didn't want to get into like full physique. No, he was already fat by then. Yeah, he's like, it's just going to be too much for me. Yeah. You're both going physique. Fat. No, and I think he's totally fine with the facial hair. He was fat and wanted to be fine with it. You're both wrong. He didn't want to be too wolfy. Be he drinking. really was That's just, like, a thing. can't be wolfy. He declined the role because he didn't want to be too wolfy <laughs> like Mr. Wolf. Did, exact quote. Does he know that wolverines aren't wolves? Exact quote. They're like didn't want to badgers, be. right? Yeah. <laughs> weasels. <laughs> Anybody think? ever tell them that? I think they're weasels. It's not a wolf. It's not a canine at, at all. At least be correct. You don't want to be too weaselly. <laughs> <laughs> at least be correct. It's not a wolferine. Oh, yeah. You know, I get it. When you just, you're like, yeah, it's a little wolfy for me. It's a little wolfy. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it, it's a little wolfy for me. Why did Will Smith turn down the role for Neo in The Matrix? He didn't understand the script, so he made Men in Black. He thought it would <laughs> flop, so he made Wild Wild West. Or he got offered more money to make iRobot. Money, robot. Wow, wow, wow. Unless he thought Matrix was going to be a flop, which is like hilarious. He what? did think it would flop, so he went and made Wild Wild West. Oh, wow. 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 Whoa. Biscuit is right. Blair, a be drinking. Oh, y'all. Let's discuss some sound and engineering. Oh, love that. In Jurassic Park, the sound used for the velociraptors communicating was actually the sound of a walrus played in reverse, the sound of turtles having sex, yeah, the sound of a goose with bass and effects added. Turtles having sex. You know they get <laughs> Jurassic during those situations. D, Blair taking a dump. <laughs> Blair was right. It was the sound of turtles having sex. Wow. Right, that was a joke. I didn't even get to guess. <laughs> you used your you guess. Made, yeah, you made, made your own answer. You made your pick. You be drinking. <laughs> you be drinking. You be drinking. <laughs> you be 40. Hit me. The noises made by the raptors in Jurassic Park were sourced from recordings of tortoises mating. The sound designer also experimented with horses breathing and geese hissing, but the tortoises proved to be most effective. Really, that's our sound right there. <laughs> we have found it. Found it. I believed it. How did they produce this sound for Reagan's head spinning around in The Exorcist? Oh. With the Father and the Holy Spirit. Damien! <laughs> Was that four hands slowly twisting a rubber hose at the same time? Pressing on an uncooked bag of popcorn or twisting an old leather wallet with credit cards in it. Twisting a hose, four hands. Love the specificity of it. <laughs> nope. And it's like, nope, sure you're wrong, twisting. Blair. Nope. Yeah. It's credit cards and a wallet. Mm -mm. He's right. Yeah. It was credit cards and a wallet. Blair loves four hands on a hose, but I unfortunately, do. she fell into that trap. <laughs> Because <laughs> knew I was just gonna fall on into that one. At one point while filming The Exorcist, sound effects engineer Gonzago Gavira borrowed an old cracked leather wallet which contained some credit cards. He held it up to the microphone and twisted it. Oh, that sound does still creep me out, but it is nice. It like feels better. No, it's just like some wallet and cards. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. 
I'm feeling it. <laughs> feeling it. We're feeling it. Who's winning? Well, it's pretty close. <laughs> I was gonna say I feel like it's like a little neck and neck. It's like whoever's the least drunk at the end. We'll do a rapid fire lightning round to determine some points. There's only see. one way to really determine. We'll do a freestyle rap battle at the end. <laughs> the lightning round. <laughs> the ornaments that Marv step on in Home Alone were actually made of paper mache, candy, or plastic toys. B candy. Candy. Totally candy. Paper mache would have never made that noise, and no. it's like you can't make it that perfect with paper mache. Damn. Like whose paper mache looks like? A perfect ornament no it's candy it's, it's sugar it's gotta be candy hot sugar and plastic have you ever stepped on plastic yeah, <laughs> that, shit. Toys, that shit hurts hurts even we're not arguably fooled. worse than glass or <laughs> the decorations were actually made of candy is an added precaution daniel stern wore rubber feet for his barefoot scenes and the nail and the nail rubber foot clearly I thought it was like fake retractable nail. nail. And like you step nail. on it and it just like pulls. You remember those old fake like little knives where you could. Yeah. Like, and they would just like go back in with you like. I thought that's it. how they did the Pulp Fiction scene, but they had to do it in reverse. 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 Learning all the things. At one hour, 31 minutes and 34 seconds into Mel Gibson's Apocalypto, you can quickly see this lying on top of a pile of dead bodies. His dick. <laughs> <laughs> a Starbucks cup. A 49ers sweatshirt or Waldo from Where's Waldo? A Starbucks cup. Niners sweater. No You're way. Wrong. Where's no way. Waldo? Yeah. Waldo from Where's Waldo can be seen at one hour, 31 minutes, and 34 seconds into Apocalypto. What? Get out of here. Really? It's a good one. Get out of here. I thought I had that one where someone like spotted him. I'm going to play you a sound from a very rare instrument called a waterphone. Invented by Richard Waters in the late 60s, the waterphone consists of a stainless steel pan surrounded by metal rods of various lengths that can be drummed or bowed like a string instrument. Each model is handmade by Waters himself and has been used in a handful of films, but made famous by three in particular. Here's the waterphone, and tell me one movie you recognize it from. Friday the 13th. Incorrect. Nightmare on Elm Street. No. Oh. You should know this. Bloodsport. <laughs> I can't imagine what my face looks like right now. <laughs> Your face is priceless. Scream? Fear. No, or it's very, it's like horror but nature like we're outside but it's scary you know halloween no what why is right. it like a horror version yes. of the jungle there is some horror elements to it but first of all you should have gotten that from the matrix that was using the matrix multiple times it the water was? phone it was also made famous in poltergeist and alien poltergeist oh. is what i was feeling you were feeling you knew something horror fuck couldn't think of it. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> beep, mother beep. While we're getting clippy, 
This stock sound effect, known as the holy grail of movie geek sound effects, has been used in hundreds of movies from the biggest blockbusters to the lowest budget movies for more than 70 years and is usually heard when someone on screen is shot or falls from a great height. The Wilhelm scream. Come on! That's correct. It's the Wilhelm scream. We know this. We know, we know this. this. Tyler loves the Wilhelm scream. I hope you hear it being Blair! Once you've, Wilhelm. Wilhelm. Once you've been trained, catch those Wilhelm. I love how excited he gets. He'll be running from another room. Did you hear the Wilhelm? Did, did you just did hear, you hear it? it? The distinctive yelp, which was first used in the 1951 Western Distant Drums, began in a scene where a group of soldiers wade through a swamp and one of them lets out a piercing scream as an alligator drags him underwater. As with many movie sound effects, the scream was not recorded during production, but later in a sound booth with the simple direction to make it sound like a man getting bit by an alligator. Six screams were performed in one take and the fifth scream on the recording became the iconic Wilhelm. Eventually, in the early 1970s, a group of sound designers at USC's film school recognized the unique scream that kept popping up in numerous films they were watching. They nicknamed it Wilhelm Scream after a character in the first movie they all recognized it from, a 1963 western called The Charge at Feather River, in which a character named Private Wilhelm lets out the scream after being shot in the leg by an arrow. As a joke, the students began slipping the effect into the student films they were working on at the time. Directors like Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, Tim Burton, Peter Jackson, and Quentin Tarantino, in addition to countless others, sought out the sound and put it into their movies as a humorous nod. They wanted to be in on the joke too, and the Wilhelm scream began showing up everywhere, making it an unofficial badge of honor. It's become bigger than just a sound effect, and the name Wilhelm scream has been used in everything from a band name to a beer. Here's a collection of well-known movies using the Wilhelm scream. Wilhelm! Yeah, I'll just fill my pipe. <laughs> Got so some good. Batman in there. Batman, Star Wars, a lot Toy of good Story, 90s Aladdin. There's there yeah. a lot of Films. 90s movies in there. Uh, it's still used all the time. You guys hear it all the time. All the time. You could be Very somewhere in the house. Now. You catch it like the movie is playing downstairs. Like, Lorax. Yeah. Home. It's in there. Once you know it, you know it. Yeah. 52 minutes, Lorax. You have, <laughs> you have a trained ear for the Wilhelm. I do. He does. Uh, this is sloppy, you guys. This is sloppy. I'm sloppy. We're sloppy? We're sloppy. And we haven't kept any score. We don't know who's winning. We don't know how we're doing. Blair, set up some tallies. I'm doing great. <laughs> Tyler's got a nice grasp on the game, and he feels he's in total control. We listen to the playback, and Tyler's got two right. <laughs> I feel great. <laughs> I was going to say. He's like, know, he got Wilhelm scream. He got the last answer right. Could so be the yeah. courage. Based off the last Could two be the questions. two X's courage over here. Could be the surge. 
<laughs> We're going to get into some true or false. All you have to let me know is this real or fake. Okay. Keep the points. In the film Dallas Buyers Club, the film's budget was so low that the makeup budget was only $250. The artists were able to work with that, and the film's makeup and hairstyling won an Oscar. True. I bet that's real. False. That's true. The cast and crew got sick so frequently while filming Waterworld that they had a special designated spot off camera just for them to hurl throughout the day. True. True. You're both wrong. It's false. <laughs> really? Everyone was like totally fine with it? Trapped. Trapped. <laughs> For A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper spent over six months with a dialect coach trying to imitate Sam Elliott's voice. Weeks after finishing, he found out Sam Elliott was going to be cast as his on-screen brother. True. True. That's true. Channel. You could tell he was channeling his inner Sam Elliott. There was a 15-year age gap between Sam Neill and Laura Dern in Jurassic Park. True. Laura Dern looked like she was a bit older, but I bet she was like 26. <laughs> True. That was false. There was a 20-year age gap oh, with Laura only being 26 while filming. Shut up. <laughs> she was 26 years old. I'm done. Sam Neill was 46. Can I just write wow. winner, winner and just be done with it? Or You get a dot for the 26. I get a full you get a little chub bit. and a Too dot. Bad. This one's worth five and a half dots. Chub plus. <laughs> Six dots. Six dots coming out. While filming Guardians of the Galaxy, they had to do several takes of some scenes because Chris Pratt kept making pew-pew sounds when he was firing his ray gun. Yeah, true. True. Totally. 100% true. That's true. Chris Pratt stole his Lone Star suit from the original film to better his chances of being cast in the sequel. False. False. He did it for fun. He did steal his suit from the set, but he did it in case any hospitalized kids wanted to meet Lone Star. They didn't, but it was a really sweet thought. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. An actual robber was fleeing a drugstore and turned the corner onto the set where they were filming the finale of Leon the Professional, in which Leon's building is completely surrounded by cops. Upon seeing an army of actors dressed as policemen, the robber immediately surrendered. True. True. And that's hilarious. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And wow. that's hilarious. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine? I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. That's an awesome fun fact. That's when you're cool. watching that movie next and you see all of those cops oh. surrounding the building at the end, you're like, oh, man. Oh, you got me. Just <laughs> potato chips and a brew crew. <laughs> you got <laughs> potato. Didn't mean to go against your wishes. In the Shawshank Redemption, there's a scene where a guy feeds a maggot to a crow. The American Humane Association made them find a maggot that had died of natural causes to feed to the crow. They wouldn't have given the no animals were harmed in the making of this film at the end if it hadn't. True. They're definitely going to dot those I's and cross those T's to make sure that crow was handled properly. Feels right, but I don't think it was a maggot. I feel like, uh, God, what was his name? Just a worm. The old man. Brooks. Brooks. I feel like you fed him something else. No, it was, a, it was a mealworm. No, it was a mealworm. You're was right. Was it? True. True. Protocol. That's true. Protocol. That's crazy, though, because if you kill the fly on set, that's not like no animals were harmed. Fly was harmed. 
<laughs> but a maggot is, like, is an animal. Is a fly an animal? I don't think a fly is an animal. If you're killing anything. Are insects animals? Insects are insects. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I split the room here. <laughs> Blair's like, I ah, my God. Ah, 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 they're animals. And Blair's like, no. No way. Insects are insects. The entire thing and then ask me this question. I feel like I just split the room here. Yeah. We're going to discuss amphibians next or where we had a... <laughs> Mammals? Arachnids? <laughs> What's the score with it, Blair? Four and a dot to four. <laughs> These dots this season are getting <laughs> All of the actors playing soldiers in Saving Private Ryan were put through basic training before filming, except Matt Damon, so that the other actors would build an unconscious resentment towards him. False. True. Who was to create that? So true. That's true. That is true as true can be. Wow. Look who took the lead. Point. Five to four and a dot. Steven Seagal was choked unconscious on a movie set by judo Gene LaBelle, and Seagal shit himself. Oh, I'm going to say, yeah, that one. <laughs> no, it's false. That was true. Blair, right back into wow. it. The director of Faces of Death had to prove in court that the actors were still alive and didn't get killed during the movie. False. I think this might be a true situation. False. It was Cannibal Holocaust. Oof. Running away with this one, eh, Blair? Uh, well, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson used the word motherfucker to overcome his stammer and stutter. Uh, true. I like it. True. True is correct. Matthew McConaughey and Matt Damon agree that if they're ever confused for one another, they'll just go along with it. I want to say true on this. I bet they could make a pact on that. It's not the, the two actors. No, it's false. False. It's Mark Wahlberg and Matt Damon. There you oh, go. Blair, don't forget me over there. I see you forgetting me. Dan Aykroyd's first script for Ghostbusters was set in the future, and Ghostbusters were completely normal, like paramedics or firemen. True. I want to say true as well. I can see how totally their, true. their setup was. I totally true is correct. A majority of the Titanic cast and crew were poisoned with PCP spiked clam chowder, so they were all rushed to the hospital one evening at 1 a.m. For sure. 100% true. That's true. Damn. They already got to go through Titanic, but they also got to go through that poison clam chowder. The Shawshank Redemption, number one on IMDb, was the 95th highest grossing film in 1994. 60 spots back from City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, <laughs> and 20 behind Street Fighter. That's true. I love that so that's much. That's a true fact if I've ever heard one. a little true to me. That is correct. Yeah. Let's see what other movies did better in the box office from 1994. Oh, my God. This is wild. Okay, so here we have The Shawshank Redemption in the 95th spot. Ahead of that, we have Above the Rim at 92. <laughs> Andre in 88. Andre got above. Baby's Day Out 
in 86. Come on. My Girl 2 in the 83rd spot. Well, that's okay. deserving. Again. Street Fighter <laughs> in the 82nd spot. <laughs> also deserving. Milk Money in the 80th spot. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Jurassic Park in the 79th spot. You may be thinking, that can't be right, but it came out the previous year in 1993. And it's still and out. It was, wow. was still in theaters. That and shit still was in theaters money. for like three years. <laughs> I waited forever to get the VHS tape. So better than Shawshank Redemption, we have House Party 3, Little Giants, Getting Even with Dad, <laughs> Quiz Show, Eight Seconds, The Cowboy Way, Reality Bites, The Air Up There, uh, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Well, you're wow. talking all my favorites Blue now, so I'm not mad at this at all. My Father the Hero, yes. uh, Low Down Dirty Shame, Lantel Girls, Beethoven Second, Oh yeah. In the Army Now, Blank Check, yes. Major League Two, Classic. It Could Happen to You, Tombstone, Beverly Hills Cop 3, City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, D2, The Mighty Ducks. The hell of a year. Naked Gun 33 in the third. Yes. Better than The Shawshank Redemption. In theater? Damn, what a good year. That was a great I was going to say, I like Pulp Fiction, the East Ventura, The Client, Philadelphia, Schindler's List, Maverick, Interview with the Vampire, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Mask. Wow. The Flintstones. Back when there were movie stars. Real yeah. new, and like new movies. Those are so good. The top three. Any guesses for 1994? I would have gotten this, by the way. Why? I would have gotten this. No, this is your wheelhouse right here. That's Jim Carrey something. No, but he cracked the top 10. He had the mask at eight. Mm. 94? And then Robin Williams. Ace Ventura at 16. Goodwill Hunting? The Lion King in the first spot. Okay. Forrest Gump in the second. Yeah, I was going to go Gump. And True Lies in the third. True Lies? Not would have guessed that. Above City Slickers 2? <laughs> Let it be known The Lion King grossed $295 million. Forrest Gump, two hundred and ninety-four million, and then True Lies was like one hundred and forty-six. Okay, and it goes down from like movie. if you're so it, it was like Lion King numbers. It's like, Lion whoa. King and Forrest Gump, and then everything. Everyone else, else. ninety-four, Boner Jams, ninety-four. Yeah, it was, was my favorite year for movies. It was great year, just so good for movies. Yeah, that was a great year. Let's talk about dicks for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> for the last round of the evening, we have a delicious treat. Let's talk very special effects and play some real dong or fake dong. I'll give you an actor and the film he bared it all, and you let me know if that meat whistle is legit. <laughs> already. The real macaque. I got a good eye for this. <laughs> we all know Mark Wahlberg wore a prosthetic in Boogie Nights. What about Jason Siegel in Forgetting Sarah Marshall? That's his dick. You think it's his dick? That's his dick. No, I bet prosthetic. Real dick. Give me the point. Real dick. You're just like, I know real dick. Yeah, I had the point. Is this a new? Okay. I know a real dick when I smell one. Okay. Channing Tatum in The Vow. Fake Prosthetic. Dick. Fake Tatum. Fake. He's not going to show off the real Channing. That's for sure, fakey. The full Chan. Yaya Abdul-Mateen in Watchmen. Real dick. CGI, see a fake dick. Blair got it. No. Not all of him was acting when it came to playing superhuman Dr. Manhattan, which earned him a 2020 Emmy for Outstanding Penis in a Supporting Role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No way I that's see. real. I'm yeah, that was real. The big blue hanging thing? It wasn't blue, but it might the as well been. The <laughs> big old blue thing. Down by his knee? <laughs> Foot. Foot and a half. Tyler remembers a specific crevices. I remember the color of that thing. His name is Yaya for a reason, bro. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like a one yeah guy. He's he's two yeahs yeah. down there. <laughs> Good for yaw and a half. Chris Pine in the Outlaw King. 
fakies. True. I'm going to go real dong. 100% real pine peen. Real pine peen. Wow. Love that real pine. Thick wood from pine. <laughs> Jason Biggs in American Reunion. Ooh, fake peen. That was real. Whoa. Real peen. He showed his peen in that? Showed his peen in that. I don't remember that at all. Was that during the apple pie situation or? There's always reunion pie situation. This is reunion. During them. Oh, reunion. It's like the fourth one, Blair. Come yeah, on. Come on now. Yeah, that was the reveal. Jonah Hill in The Wolf of Wall Street. Fake. Fake. Fake knob. Fake, Fake knob. knob. Aaron Taylor Johnson in A Million Little Pieces. Real. Who? Kick ass. Oh, real. That was a million pieces of real dumb. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Adam Scott and Jason Schwartzman in their adult sex comedy, The Overnight. Ooh, real. Gotta be real. Both synthetics. Oh, Damn. shit. Jason Muse in Zack and Mary Make a Porno. Fake. Fake. That one's real. Wow. Really? Good for you, Jace. Jace. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth in Vacation. Fake. Gotta be fake. Totally fake. Impressive, but that's a counterfeit baby maker. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why is it all stretched out in the crotch? <laughs> Fun fact about that they were trying out different prosthetics to put on him for that scene, and they had an eight incher in there, but he made it look so normal and pulled it off so well. They're like, this isn't. Comedic enough. This just looks normal. Go we're gonna bigger. go fourteen. We're gonna need to go bigger. We're gonna need bring to me the ten. Bring me the big in, the big boy. <laughs> Unlock the case. Michael Fassbender in Shame. Obviously real. We've discussed real that. Fassbender. No shame in that meaty dong. No. <laughs> Kevin Bacon in Wild Things. Mm, fake bacon. Fake in the bacon. Yeah. Real bacon. Real bacon. Real bacon. Real bacon. Real bacon. That shit ain't turkey. <laughs> that was real bacon. Original pork product. Joe Latruglio playing the nudist in Wonderlust. Fake. Go real. Blair's got it with the fake. Came fake back. Is. He's got to go nude all movie. He's going to wear a fakie. What's the score here? Seven to six, Tyler. Seven to six. What happened to the dot? Oh, well, I thought I started over. Are we still adding on? Yeah. Six and a dot to oh, seven. Oh, well, that's just way too much to figure out right now. But you it's can't seven make me drink six? that much. And then, be... and then do math. All right. One and a dot for the dick round. Here we go. Yeah. Ewan McGregor has gotten his pork sword out like 16 times, uh -huh. including films such as Young Adam, Train Spotting, Velvet Goldmine, Fargo, and The Ghost. Guy must have like a nudity clause in his contract that guarantees his peen gets screen time. Love it. <laughs> he always wants it out, but is it real or fake? That's a real big fish right there. Yeah, it's real. Real big. Well done, you guys. It's real. I'm well worn done. out. <laughs> I've thought about too much <laughs> dick tonight. <laughs> that was a lot of peen. It will do a number on you, huh? I did learn a lot of peen facts I wasn't aware of. What was your favorite fun fact of the evening? I love when someone can just like show up and show out with their real peen. And that was kind of shocking of some of those ones. So you like the peen fun fact. It was a very diplomatic answer. Ewan McGregor, yeah. I love that he went real. We know Fassbender's going real. It's like, you got it, you show it. <laughs> Dongbender. 
The last dong bender. You gotta earn that name. <laughs> Let's move on to our track of the week. Out of Memphis, Tennessee, this is Fever Tree with Lead to Believe. <laughs> song i love that one thank you fever tree my favorite new dream card giveaway over at 8080 in addition to the 15 percent off you get for using code crunchy every dollar you spend gets you entered in for a brand new lamborghini plus sixty thousand dollars in cash you do not want to miss out nor do you want to forget to check out centercrunchy.com where you'll find every episode or links for social media and the almighty crunch store where you'll find all kinds of crunchy gear showing that you are a proud citizen of crunch nation 
Join us every Friday at 10 o'clock on 97.3 The Rattler or find us wherever you get your podcast. This has been another episode of Something Crunchy. And as always, don't ever forget to live your crunchiest life. And be crunchy to one another. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, and all that crunchy good shit. All episodes can be found at somethingcrunchy.com and on all podcast platforms. Thank you for listening. I'm concerned. I have concerns. You should probably watch that, Mike. Uh oh. Uh, that was a sharp one. You're getting pink eyes sitting over there. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can smell your microphone over here. <laughs> hey, Blake, cut that. <laughs> Oops, all bloops. Hey, Blake, Oops. cut that. Bloops. I did learn a lot of peen facts I wasn't aware of. Oi, oi. Hell oh, yeah. yeah.